0: Be sure to follow us on Instagram, at criminalafpod, or click on the link in the episode description. For a narrative version of this episode, subscribe to The Serial Holic, available wherever you listen to podcasts, or visit www.theserialholic.com. We travel back to the year 2000 in the land down under, where we discuss the most heinous and horrendous crime committed by a woman in the history of Australia. The only woman to ever be sentenced to life without the possibility of parole. Catherine Knight. I'm Dave Jari. I'm Garrett Quarter. And this is Criminal As Fuck. What's good, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Criminal AF. Once again, I'm Dave Jari, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Garrett Quarter. Hello, Garrett. How we doing? So just a reminder that this is a true crime podcast. There will be talk of murder, rape, torture, arson, and pretty much any crime that would haunt you night- nightmares at any given moment. There will be detailed descriptions of said events, and there will be vulgar language like, fuck. <laughs> we understand that criminal AF is not for everyone. See that one more time? Fuck. Okay. Yeah. Just, I, I need just to so you, if voice. you hear that come yeah, up, yeah, yeah. You know, don't be surprised.
1: Oh, stop. They all they all know what they're getting into. Yeah.
0: So we just ask that you at least give it a listen. And if it's not for you, well, thanks for checking it out. But if it is, welcome, welcome to, to the, the debauchery. debauchery. All right. So before we get into the nuts and bolts of this episode, I'd just like to make an announcement about the future of this podcast and others. Ooh, we're creating a podcast network called Morbid Collective. Now, with Morbid Collective, uh, it'll be an umbrella company for Criminal AF as well as the Serial Holic, which is coming back after some listener feedback. Uh, there are also going to be a couple other projects that are in current that are currently in the works. One tentatively called I Believe, which is about paranormal events, ghosts, ghost stories,
1: conspiracy theories, everything that you want.
0: Yeah. Basically everything that makes you say, what the? I like it. Yeah. I'm I'm excited for that one. Uh, And also a narrative sports podcast in the style of the serial holic, which tells the rise to fame and sometimes the fall from grace. Uh, Stories of athletes, which will be hosted by my son, Ethan Jari. So Morbid Collective will basically produce, market, coordinate sponsorship for all of its podcasts. And you know, as as we go further in the future, you know, we'll just add more and more to it. So lots of exciting things to come, and I'm pretty excited to announce all that. Speaking of exciting, we have three amazing new criminals for our Patreon. Three? Three. Oh, you guys are the best. Yes, yeah, so we have Stephen Day. Nikki Hammond, and Trent Gobble.
1: Bunch of criminals.
0: Oh, yeah. Shout out to all you guys, and thank you so much. You all rock. So, uh, Garrett. It's been a long time, bud. It's been a long time. I know. I'm glad to be back. We've been working crazy hours at work. Yeah. Finally get back to doing this. You got a Florida man of the day? Oh, I got a Florida man Do you? Yes yes, right.
1: yes, 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 yes. Let's kick it off
0: with the Florida man <laughs> of the
1: day. <laughs> Daytona Beach, Florida, right. where dreams are made of. <laughs> a Florida man has been accused of spraying his neighbors with roach spray and attempting to use numchucks on them, hitting himself in the head instead <laughs> over a loud music complaint. Larry Darnell Adams, 61, of Daytona <laughs> Beach is charged with aggravated assault with a deadly weapon and aggravated battery with a deadly weapon. A charging Ah! affidavit... Affidavit... Affidavit. 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 A charging (laughs) (laughs) affidavit... A charging affidavit filed by a Daytona police officer states that the officer was called to a disturbance around 1.15 a.m. Monday to Adams' apartment building, where he spoke to five alleged victims. Five victims. (laughs) All women, according to statements. Two of the women were sitting in a car listening to music to celebrate one victim's 18th birthday. Two of the other women who are related stepped out of their apartment and asked the women in the car to turn down the music. The fifth woman was nearby in the parking lot. As the women talked, Adams came out of his apartment and became verbally combative with the women, the african said. The victim stood their ground as the defendant cursed and made various threats, one time threatening to air it out, the document says. <laughs> I'm about to air this bitch out. Yeah. It, it reminds me of, uh, you've seen Napoleon Dynamite, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know Rex Kwan like, You want a roundhouse cook in the face with these bad boys? <laughs> <laughs> you think you go to Starlight? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's missing some American flag fucking pajamas. Right. All right. The woman took this as the threat, and he would, as a threat, and that he would shoot them with a firearm. The officer wrote. As the argument continued, Adam pulled out a can of roach spray and sprayed the women in their faces and bodies with the pesticide. <laughs> Adam Adams then threatened the. That's women. like
0: one of the like you you go to outside to uh, you know complain about about noise. First thing you grab. Roach spray. Is roach spray. roach
1: spray. <laughs> <laughs> These goddamn bitches. No.
0: <laughs> I can't <tell>
1: Adams used the martial arts weapons to strike the vehicle where the women have been listening to music. When the nunchucks inadvertently struck the defendant in the forehead, the defendant then threw the nunchucks at the car. The car was not damaged. All right, so that's a good thing. Adams called 911, as did one of the victims, and the man who witnessed at least part of the incident. The witness told investigators he saw Adams spray something at the women as well as one woman holding up a chair in front of her to block the spray.
0: What the fuck is going on in Florida? Where do they find all these things? Yeah. Oh no, he's got a roach bright. Let me grab this fucking <laughs> random chair that's in the street. <laughs>
1: Dude, that is the best part about this is nobody got hurt except yeah, him. Except for him, yeah.
0: That's awesome.
1: And if, if anybody's listening, please go look up this story and look at his mugshot, cause he has a square numchuck size. <laughs> in that right in the middle of his forehead so he hit his ass ho- he hit himself hard oh my god you ever get hit by one of those things no but i've oh I've, my god. I've,
0: I've like
1: i've been hit i tagged my elbow with one but yeah. i mean they're not they weren't like real nunchucks i oh guarantee you this guy had real nunchucks do it i'm
0: telling you because when i was when we were younger we had like real everything we had real rambo knives we had fucking like real fucking like pellet guns we used to shoot each other with and everything yeah the num we had nunchucks that we picked up at some flea market and me and my brothers were like, wow, wow, wow. Dude, I must have like cracked my kneecap. I had like freaking concussions. Your mom was like, here's where it is. Here you go, kids. You know, this is back in the day when, you know, four-year-olds would just be buckled just in, in the back. go seat. to the flea market and buy nunchucks. Yeah. Gotcha. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Those things fucking hurt. Man.
1: Oh, my God. I, I can't stop looking at this guy's face. Jesus Christ. <laughs> me, all right. Let me, let me see real quick. <laughs>
0: Oh, shit. <laughs> oh my god, he is messed up. You want a roundhouse kick in the face with these bad boys on? <laughs> I said turn the music down.
1: <laughs> Don't make oh, me go man. get the bow staff. <laughs>
0: All right. Oh man, that's hilarious. <laughs> Alright, this episode is going to turn your stomach. Here's chapter one of Catherine Knight. John Price was done with it all. The arguing, the fighting, and yes, even the sex. Catherine Knight was known as many things. Psychotic, kind, abusive, loving, vindictive, generous, awful, and giving. But when you ask all of her exes why they would stick around and deal with her Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde persona, they all would say it was the sex. Nobody was better between the sheets than Catherine Knight. So taking a cast iron frying pan to the back of the head or a hot iron to the face was a risk worth taking for a romp in the sack with Kathy. But Pricey, as John was known around town, wanted it all to end. He wanted Catherine out of his house, but she was refusing to leave. They had a blowout a couple nights before. Pricey had woken up to Catherine standing at the edge of the bed, holding a butcher knife, and Pricey ran from his home to that of a friend. He called the police and he wanted her removed from his home, but the copper's hands were tied. He would have to get a court order to remove her, they said. What? From my own house? Pricey made several stops throughout his last day. Yes his last day. It was February 29, 2000. John Price would be dead within the next 18 hours. Pricey had a feeling. He knew that whatever was happening now, it was different from the blow ups they had before. This one wasn't going to end well. Catherine told him as much. On his way to work, Pricey stopped at the Scone Court Chamber of Magistrate to get an AVO against Knight, but in hindsight. It was too little, too late. Pricey told a co-worker that if he didn't show up for work the next day, Catherine had done him in, showing him a now healing stab wound to Pricey's chest. The co-worker begged Pricey to stay elsewhere, but if he didn't go home, Catherine would kill his children. When he arrived at his house on St. Andrew Street, Catherine's vehicle wasn't there. He could breathe a small sigh of relief. She wasn't anywhere to be found. No one was. Apparently, Catherine had sent his children for an overnight stay at her daughter's house. At least they were safe. Now he could relax a bit. Pricey went to a neighbor's house to hang out for a while and drink some beers before turning in around 11pm. Pricey drifted off to sleep. He was awoken in the early morning hours by Catherine, wearing some new lingerie. It was typical Catherine behavior, threaten to kill everyone in sight, but eventually feel bad for saying it, and offer sex as an apology. And for Pricey, maybe he wasn't done with the sex part after all. Once their lovemaking was finished, Pricey snuggled back into bed and shut his eyes. He was awoken a second time, with a knife in his chest. The Knight family has had their roots buried deep in the Aberdeen, New South Wales area since the 1800s. Ken Knight was one of six children born in a small shack at the foot of the Barrington Tops Mountains. Ken quit school at the age of 14 and had a choice of either working in the coal mines or the slaughterhouse. Ken chose the slaughterhouse. Both grueling jobs that takes a certain type of individual to work them. hardworking, tough and strong-willed to make it through each day of drilling in into coal mines or slicing and gutting livestock. In America, we refer to this type of person as a badass. Aberdeen was a town full of badasses, and the Knight family were the most badass of them all. Hard workers, hard drinkers, and hard fighters. You didn't fuck with the Knights. Ken became well-known for his quick mouth and quicker temper. He would turn a petty argument into a full-on brawl in the blink of an eye. He began to have an affair with a married woman named Barbara Raugen, who had four children with her current husband, Jack. Ray and Jack were friends, well, as friendly as one is to be sleeping with their wife. Ken and Barbara's secret love affair soon became public and caused a major uproar at the slaughterhouse in Aberdeen. Ken and Barbara were essentially chased out of town, leaving her four children behind. The two oldest stayed with Jack, and the two youngest went to live with Jack's sister in Sydney. A year later, Barbara and Ken welcomed Charlie to their new family, and on October 24, 1955, Barbara gave birth to fraternal twin girls, Joy, the older of the two, and Catherine. In 1959, Jack Rogan passed away. And Barbara's two older boys came to live with her and by 1961, Shane completed the family. With six of the eight children filling up their home and Jack no longer in the picture, the Knight family moved back to Aberdeen. Ken picked up where he left off, working at the slaughterhouse, and Barbara tending to the children. The home life for the Knights was anything but storybook. Ken was an abusive alcoholic who would beat and rape Barbara up to 10 times a day. If she refused, he would knock her out with a punch and take what he felt was rightfully his. Reportedly, he would do this right in front of the children. Sexual assaults weren't just relegated to Barbara. Catherine claims from the time she was 4 years old until the age of 11, she was raped by several members of the family, excluding her father. Catherine and the other night children learned very early that in order to get what you want, you didn't rely on good grades or doing your chores, you took it, by any means necessary. Catherine learned to fight, both with words and with her fists, and as she got older, Catherine would become known as the most badass of the nights. Throughout her early years in middle school, Catherine was a bully. She thrived off of intimidating the children in her school. She physically assaulted a boy in her class and fought a teacher, but just as quick as she was to get into a fight, she would be happy and kind, willing to help those who needed it. By the time she was 15, she quit school with barely learning how to read or write. Her first job was working as a cutter in a clothing factory. At 16, she got her dream job, working with her father as an abattoir. Most people hated the work. It was a tough job, but Catherine loved it. She was quickly promoted from an offal, a person who guts the livestock and removes the entrails, to a deboner. With this promotion, Catherine received a new set of butcher knives. These were her pride and joy, and she was known to hang these knives above her bed in case she ever needed them. As much as she loved being a deboner, Her favorite part of the job was the actual killing of the livestock. She didn't just slice their throats. She could nick an exact spot in the artery and watch them bleed out, and she took great pride in this skill. When Catherine was seventeen, she met David Kellett, who had just begun to work at the slaughterhouse and was a friend of her brother's. Catherine, who usually didn't venture away from her family socially, became smitten with David and their budding relationship grew just as quick as her temper.
1: What? (laughs) An interesting lady. Yeah. Uh...
0: (laughs) (laughs) Nobody was better than... (laughs) (laughs) Nobody was better between the sheets than Catherine Knight. That's funny. So hey. taking a cast iron frying pan to the back of the head or a hot iron oh. to the face was a risk worth taking for a romp in the sack with Kathy. Definition of a toxic relationship. Oh, yeah. But he could not leave it. No. Oh, man. Like, mm, he, he loved that that's shit. That's too good. He too loved good. that shit. <laughs> he loved Kathy. Yeah. Sometimes, uh, so, you know, sometimes you just have to, like, take one for the team. You know uh, what yeah, I, mean? That, I mean? No, dude. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> this girl... Was <laughs> she enjoyed working at the slaughterhouse? Yeah, yeah. What is this Texas Chainsaw Massacre? Jesus. <laughs> no. Uh,
0: very interesting yeah. woman. Now the whole thing, with, like, now you got to think of the uh, think of this town. It's basically two two jobs in the entire town. Yeah. There's the coal mine and there's a the slaughterhouse. You know, and the coal mine was actually the preferred choice to work at. You know, so like, the slaughterhouse—that's <laughs> that's telling you
1: something too. You had to get yeah. black lung. Yeah, than work I'd rather slaughterhouse. Exactly.
0: So, like, to work at the slaughterhouse, you had to be like a particular kind of person. You know what I mean? Dude, she loved it. Yeah, and she, oh, she freaking thrived. She's like slash dash. You know. Now, in this town, you know, you get you gotta think. You know, people are cutting up freaking animals all day long. They're working in freaking mines you know you're gonna have like a lot of roughnecks you know yeah in this town and I mean that's all it was it was predominantly just these you know these uh, professions so everybody in this town is pretty much a fucking roughneck you know you just don't want to roll into town and walk into the pub and be like yo what's up motherfucker you know what oh, I mean yeah. cause you're gonna get fucked up now the knights out of all this town of badasses the knights were known as the badass you know you didn't fuck with the knights you know
1: yeah you also didn't their own f-
0: <laughs> yeah no and Catherine was known to be the queen badass of the knights like when as she got older like she was fucking tapped you know like if you crossed her in any way she would fight you like a man it's crazy too when you look at her picture
1: cause she, she looks like a typical 80's mom yeah that goes yeah. like and takes those glamour shots at the mall yeah. and shit like yeah. it, it, she doesn't look like when like right. you, you hear the story and you're like and then you see the pictures of her and you're like what? yeah doesn't exactly. make any sense yep. now her poor Pricey he yeah. looks like a straight up Australian if there's oh, yeah. anything could right <laughs> he's got teeth in his hat he was... yeah
0: he would be a stunt double for uh, Crocodile Dundee yeah at the same time, like, if you cross her, like, she's coming after you.
1: Yeah. You're, you're not getting away with it.
0: But on the other hand, she was known to be one of the most kind and giving people. You know what I mean? So there was definitely a Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde going on here. And I, I think it, it resulted... Maybe a little bipolar? Well, yeah, that too. But I think it resulted from, you know, particularly men. You know, she had, like, a, a real problem with men. Like, her mother... Like, hated sex, hated men, and she made it fucking known. Yeah. And She witnessed that stuff, too. Right. And, the yeah, age. the father would rape the mother up to ten times a day in front of the kids. Yeah. Not even giving a shit. Knock her ass out, fucking take her right there at the fucking kitchen table. You Jesus. Know? So, in in normal day-to-day, like Catherine, you know, like I said, she'd be giving, you know, help. Help other people. But when <laughs> it came... That switch. Yeah. But as soon as you crossed her, or she felt <laughs> crossed... You better like run, like run, because she will. I mean, yeah.
1: She... Imagine waking up
0: to your significant other with a butcher, kn- <laughs> yeah, a butcher knife. Like, yeah.
1: oh, you want to run your mouth? Yeah. No way. <laughs> what you
0: fucking say to me?
1: Yeah. Also, too, you know, first step when you look at the story, sexually abused as a ch- child, just like every other story that we've yeah actually done on this podcast. Mm-hmm. It's so sad that no one was there to protect those kids. I I also... I love the fact that she was the bully in class, too. Like, normally, like, you know, vice versa, like, they're usually the bullied kids in school. No, she was the bully. She was the one who was doing the the messed up stuff. Right. Now,
0: uh, growing up... And she'd bully boys, too. Yeah. She she fought a teacher. (laughs) Yeah, a male teacher. You know, No, you don't mess around with her, you know. Now, she, you know, obviously, she was a fraternal twin. And her sister... Was more of like the tomboy, you know, more down to earth, you know. She she had a little bit of temper too, I guess, but you know, she wasn't like too bad. And like Catherine was just fucking savage, you know. You'll we'll we'll talk about it a little bit later, but Catherine and her mother had a very cr- close relationship. So it's almost as if Barbara's views on men and marriage and and how to run a household and all that kind of thing, like Catherine would take that to heart, and that may have escalated a lot of altercations.
1: Yeah, she probably also heard her mom running her mouth, like, "Yeah, this piece of crap." Yeah, she,
0: she was. Oh, absolutely. So yeah, so we'll talk a little bit more about you know her relationships in uh, chapter two. David Kellett was an 18-year-old wild child when he met Catherine. Kellett was the kind of guy that would do anything he was dared to do, and the reserved, shy Catherine was head over heels. Kellett would say that Catherine was everything a man could ask for, and that remained the case for the first year of their courtship. On the day of their wedding in 1974, Kellett had been on a bender the previous three days and could barely stand. Catherine had to find him, and she picked him up on her motorcycle. Catherine's mother, Barbara, had warned Kellett, You better watch this one, or she'll fucking kill you. Stir her up the wrong way, or do the wrong thing, and you're fucked. Don't ever think of playing up on her. She'll fucking kill you. The festivities continued well into the night. Kellett and Catherine consummated their marriage with a solid effort. They had sex three times before Kellett passed out from all the drinking. He was awakened shortly after with Catherine straddling his chest and strangling him. Three times wasn't enough. Her parents Barbara and Ken had sex five times on their wedding night and Catherine was insulted and she would not be insulted. Kellett soon learned that what Barbara said to Catherine was the threshold as to which his marriage would be held. Their marriage was a roller coaster. Catherine being the model wife to becoming his worst nightmare. When Kellett was participating in a dart tournament at a local pub, Catherine had called the pub and told Kellett that he had ten minutes to be home. Kellett finished the tourney and when he arrived about a half hour later, all his clothes were set on fire and Catherine had greeted him with a cast iron frying pan to the back of the head. Kellett was able to make it to a neighbor's house where he was then brought to a hospital. He spent a week in the hospital with a fractured skull. Catherine avoided the charges when she apologized and promised not to do it again. By May of 1976, Kellett had grown tired of Catherine's violent outbursts. He left for Queensland with a new girlfriend shortly after the birth of his daughter, Melissa. The next day. Catherine was witnessed pushing her newborn daughter through town in a stroller, violently whipping the stroller from side to side, wailing and crying uncontrollably. She was taken in for a psychiatric hold and spent weeks recovering from this breakdown. Ted Abrams didn't like to get into anyone's drama, which is why he kept to himself on the outskirts of Aberdeen, a World War II veteran with a touch of a temper. Ted lived in a shack by the silos after being laid off from the meat works resulting from getting into a fight with a co-worker. That fight also gave Ted a month's stay in the hospital and a metal plate in his head. So old Ted Abrams would spend his time walking the railroad tracks collecting coal warm his shack and grain that would fall off from the train cars. One walk along the tracks, Ted would find something other than coal or grain. He found a two month old baby placed in the middle of the tracks with the coal train ready to pass through at any minute. Ted picked up the baby and strolled into town. The baby was soon identified as now two-month-old Melissa, and Catherine had left her to die in the tracks and went into town threatening to kill anyone who was responsible for allowing Kellett to leave town. She was again taken in for a psychiatric evaluation, but signed herself out. A couple of days later, Catherine had gone to the house of an old classmate and kidnapped her, her brother, and her elderly mother and forced them to take her to Queensland. Catherine is on a mission to kill Kellett and his mother. The girl tried to escape but was quickly tackled by Catherine and was sliced across the face with Catherine's knife. Before they left town, Catherine wanted to stop at the petrol station and kill the mechanic that fixed Kellett's car which allowed him to leave. The woman escaped, and by the time the police arrived, Catherine held the boy by knife point and threatened to kill him. Police were able to disarm Catherine, and again she was placed in a psychiatric hospital. When Kelly got word of Catherine's breakdowns, he left his new girlfriend and moved back with his mother to care for Catherine. Their rocky marriage continued, but they were civil long enough to have a second daughter, Natasha, in March of 1983. By 1984. Catherine had left Kellett for good. So I just want to, like, say this right off the bat, that the highlight of this chapter was not Barbara told David Kellett, you better watch this one or she'll fucking kill you.
1: (laughs) Foreshadowing there.
0: Yeah. So go ahead and marry her, you know.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> Don't ever think. of That's crazy her.
1: that she had that reputation. Like the like the whole oh, yeah. town knew.
0: Right. That this she's crazy. Even the mother was like, "Bro, stir her the wrong way and you're fucked." Now let's talk about the wedding night. Oh, crazy. <laughs> okay. Now, Kellett, he was crazy. <laughs> he, he was on like a three day bender. Yeah. You know, imagine like, he
1: was probably down walking down the aisle all fucked. Oh yeah. Up. Yeah. yeah.
0: Like he couldn't drive anywhere, so she had, she actually had to pick him up on her motorcycle. So imagine being like drunk, <laughs> on the back of a motorcycle, like <laughs> <laughs> right, Hiding bitch. Yeah. Oh. So you know, of course, at the festivities, you know they're drinking more, drinking more, and then you know they go to consummate the marriage, and poor Kellett can only get it up three times,
1: which is still pretty impressive for being that drunk. <laughs>
0: Let me tell you something. Soberer. It'll be a stretch if you get fucking three, you know? <laughs> Haven't been drinking for she three said,
1: days. I demand five. Oh, yeah. <laughs> My mom used to go five. <laughs>
0: yes. My yes. mom. And dad did it five times. So yeah, so she was like freaking insulted. You know? Like, how dare you <laughs> only, only have sex with me three times in a span of fucking how long? So Kellett woke up with Catherine sitting on his chest choking him. What a what a
1: wedding night. Yeah. Hey. A happily ever after. <laughs> also, too, coming home from a nice, you know, nice night out with the boys, going yeah. to shoot some darts, and yeah. then you come home, your clothes are on fire, yeah. and then you get smacked right in the back Pummeled. of the head with a iron cast iron. <laughs> yeah. I don't. I, like, I a, told you to be home in ten minutes. There has <laughs> to be something with this woman because every, like how why would you even stay with somebody like that? Yeah. These, uh, these, uh,
0: I can tell you why they stayed. Because <laughs> she was a freaking machine. Yeah.
1: <laughs> no, it's not worth it. No, it is not worth it.
0: So that yeah. So then he you know he has a goes to the hospital for like a week. Yeah, that, he was in the hospital. He was in the yeah for a week. You know, with a fractured skull, and somehow, she begged and pleaded and promised it would never happen again. And he went back to her. Well,
1: that's a reoccurring theme in this story too. Yeah. you know yep. the begging and pleading. Yeah.
0: So, yeah, so eventually Kellett had enough of this bullshit. He got a new girlfriend, and he ditched the whole state. He left New South Wales. He went up to Queensland. But this was right after the birth. He couldn't even break up with her. He was afraid to break up with her, so he just found a new girl and dipped out. Yep, bolted. (laughs) But unfortunately, you know, this was right after the birth of their daughter, you know. So, I mean, at this point, I can kind of understand how she would be pissed off. Not to the point where she's flipping the baby carriage around with the baby in it. Yeah. 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 So she did a little stay there, and then now, thank God for Ted Abrams. You know, he's walking along those railroad tracks. sees a little baby sitting on a railroad track. That's crazy. And you know, and this is like the the coal train. You know, so it's it's on a fucking schedule. And apparently from all, all reports is that that train was like within Do you a think, minute of coming through.
1: Do you think like since she had the reputation in town, do you think like when he walked he was like, Oh, I bet you that's that's yeah. I bet you that's Catherine's baby. Yeah. That's damn, gotta be God Catherine's baby. Damn it, Catherine. Yeah. Come on, not again. Kathy at it, it again. How many times <laughs> how many things do we not know about that happened in this town with her? You right. know what I mean? That yeah. that didn't get reported.
0: Yep. She was actually taken into the psychiatry ward for that but she, uh yeah she signed herself out however the fuck that <laughs> happens but she
1: signed herself out yeah
0: oh you, you try to kill your two month old and you were threatening people in town yeah go ahead and sign yourself out but that's you know that's just the icing on the cake you know she well you missed two uh, right after she got out of
1: the psych ward then she, she went and kidnapped her uh, older classmate to yeah. the like <laughs> Two couple days after.
0: Yeah. 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 I get you know, slashed her in the face with one of her uh, butcher knives. She loved those knives, bro. Yeah. Loved those knives. So, you know, after a while, you know, they, Kellett came back because they felt bad, you know, for leaving her and, and Catherine, you know, basically flying off the deep end. So they stayed a while together for a while longer. They ended up having, you know, another kid. But then finally, Catherine was like, yeah, I'm done with you. I'm moving on. But you know what? If I was Kellett, I'd be like, "Oh,
1: thank God. I know." Thank he God. he, over his shoulder. He's probably like halfway across Australia, just yeah. <laughs> still looking <laughs> over still his looking shoulder. over his shoulder. <laughs> PTSD from
0: iron yeah. cast irons. Probably to this day, he's probably like, "I know she's in jail. I know she's yeah. not getting out, but goddamn, she's probably going to show up at my doorstep that's one day." Crazy. Yeah, that's crazy. You know, she she moved on from Kellett and she gets into a couple more relationships. And we'll talk about those in Chapter 3. Catherine had moved in with her parents for a brief period before injuring herself at the slaughterhouse. Unable to work, she collected disability payments and moved to a new house. In 1986, Catherine met Dave Saunders, a 38-year-old coal miner. A few months into their courtship, Saunders moved in with Catherine, but he kept his apartment. This would be a topic of contention between the two throughout their relationship. Catherine would easily become angry with Saunders, wondering what he was doing when they were not together, and questioning if he was bringing women to his apartment. Catherine would kick him out of her house time and time again, but would quickly apologize and beg him to come back. A year into their relationship, Catherine became angry with Saunders and picked up his eight-week-old dingo pup and sliced its through, simply to remind Saunders of what she would do to him if he ever crossed her, and then hit him with a frying pan. They reconciled after this abuse, and in 1988, they had a daughter, Sarah, which prompted them to buy a house together. Catherine's taste in decorating was left to be desired as she adorned the new house with various items such as animal skins, skulls, pitchforks, and machetes. Another blowout resulted in Saunders catching an iron to the face, enough to leave a lasting mark, and Catherine stabbed him in the abdomen with a pair of scissors. Saunders fled the relationship and went into hiding for fear of his life. Catherine had become pregnant for a fourth time by former slaughterhouse worker, John Chillingworth. Catherine had given birth to her first and only boy named Eric. Trying to make their relationship work for the sake of their son, it eventually fizzled out three years later when Catherine began having an affair with another man, coal miner John Price. Known around town as a hard worker, and generally a good guy. Pricey, as he was known, had a previous marriage that ended a decade earlier and still maintained a cordial relationship with his ex wife. His two older children had lived with him, and his youngest lived with his ex. Even though Pricey was well aware of Catherine's violent reputation, the two began a relationship because, as we stated earlier, Catherine was very skilled in her way around a bedroom. The relationship was going well to start off. They were very laid back and had lots of fun together. By 1998, after Pricey refused to marry Catherine, she had videotaped some expired medical kits that Pricey had taken from the rubbish bin at work and sent the video to his management at the coal mine. Pricey, who had worked at the mine for 17 years and never had any discipline issues, was fired from his job. Pricey kicked Catherine out of his house the same day, and news spread throughout Aberdeen of what Catherine had done. After a few months, Pricey and Catherine reconciled, but Pricey refused to let Catherine move back in. His friends, upset that Pricey allowed her back into his life, would no longer hang out with him. The violence and fighting would escalate between the two, with Catherine vowing she would not leave the relationship until one of them died.
1: It just keeps going. Yeah. Not only, I like, mean, obviously, if we have some dog fans out there, it's horrible to uh, hear what she did to that puppy. But she would also, what we didn't have in this story is, she would, if she was driving on the street, she would purposely swerve into stray dogs if she saw them. That, That's... <laughs> um, what? She would, she, and then people would ask, why Why did you do that? What? She'd be like, I, I don't like dogs. Yeah. And she would, she would do that to people too. Like if you, took too long at the crosswalk she just go
0: <laughs> <laughs> she like i mean i i think i might have a little bit of Catherine in me because i, I do that with squirrels <laughs>
1: well you're not gonna crash your car
0: for a squirrel no no but
1: i, I mean i would at least try to avoid a dog <laughs> she was like yeah meow.
0: in iron to the face
1: yeah she's got it she's Has a whole arsenal at this point. Yeah, she's got assault with. I mean, how many deadly weapons are we
0: talking? She should probably check with that guy in Florida and borrow his nunchucks.
1: I'm I'm shocked she hasn't (laughs) been. I'm shocked she hasn't been like. I know she's been did time in psychiatric wards, but like the fact that she hasn't been arrested for like
0: a considerable, yeah, uh,
1: a decent charge to actually spend some jail time is crazy. How is she getting away with all this?
0: She sweet talks them and they drop the charges. They don't press charges against her. She, I mean,
1: an iron to the face would hurt.
0: Yeah. Now, she must have, like, kung fu grip, bro. I'm telling you, (laughs) to get away with all this, (laughs) that's crazy. She would apologize and be like, oh, come back, I'm sorry, it won't happen again, and you know, put on her uh, magic. She's what? She's up to four kids at this point, too. Yeah, four kids. Yeah, four kids
1: with the the random slaughterhouse worker. (laughs) Do you think they did it in the meat room? Yeah, probably.
0: (laughs) She is is a sicko. You want this meat?
1: (laughs) Yeah. Let me lay you down on that piece of lamb. Yeah. So
0: yeah, so this is like you know after you know the relationship with Dave Saunders and John Chillingworth, you know this is where her and Pricey get together. Oh, Pricey! And uh, this is this is hard because the love of her life. Yeah. Now everybody pretty much around town they fucking love this dude. You know. Yep. I'm sure you know, like we discussed, you know, living in Aberdeen, you know, it's a, it's a rough, rough rough area. Uh, and I'm sure Pricey, you know, had his like little scraps here and there. But all in all, if you look the picture him, he he is Australian in a picture, yeah, a hundred percent. Right, you know. But all in all, he he's 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 a well liked person in the town. Like he knew Catherine's reputation for violence and everything like that. There was another reputation that probably drew him in. <laughs> so, That's what he was looking <laughs> at. But yeah, so we'll go into a little bit more of her relationship with uh, Pricey. And ultimately, his, uh, his final downfall in chapter four. By February of 2000, the fights between Pricey and Catherine were an almost daily occurrence, with one such resulting in Catherine stabbing Pricey in the chest. He was done with it all and kicked her out of the house, but she could not be forced out without a court order. On February 29th, Pricey had applied for a restraining order. That evening, while he was at a friend's house, Catherine had went shopping for new lingerie and brought Pricey's children to her daughter's house. While there, Catherine had videotaped her visit and essentially willed all of her possessions to her children. Odd to most people, but not out of the ordinary for Catherine. Later that night, Catherine went to Pricey's house, watched television for a bit, and then took a shower. She put on her new lingerie and woke up Pricey. The two had sex and when they were finished, Pricey got up to use the bathroom and then laid back down to go to sleep. He was awakened to Catherine stabbing him in the shoulders and chest. Pricey was able to shake her off and run for the door. Catherine continued to stab him as he made his way down the hall, through the living room, and to the front door. It's believed he was able to open the door, but collapsed before making it outside. Catherine dragged his body back into the living room and began what is believed to be the most gruesome and disturbing act in the history of Australia. At 8am the next morning, Pricey's truck was still parked in his driveway. Neighbors and co-workers who lived nearby knew that Pricey always left for work by 5.30am. A co-worker had gone to his house to check on him and noticed blood on the front door handle. A neighbor came over and tried to look through the windows but couldn't see much. Police were contacted and they made entry into the house. It was dark inside and the only noise that could be heard was the hum of the air conditioner. The officers could smell the rich iron scent of blood as they entered into the living room and saw the blood-soaked body of a man. It appeared that he was decapitated. There was a curtain in the doorway that separated this room and the kitchen. As the officers pushed the curtain aside, their hands were covered in blood. This was not a curtain separating the two rooms. It was the full-sized skin suit of John Price, hanging by a meat hook. In the kitchen, it appeared as someone had prepared a family meal. Meat and vegetables were placed on two plates, ready to be eaten. The officers lifted the top of a pot sitting on a stove, and inside was the boiled head of John Price. Searching further into the house, police discovered Catherine Knight passed out and snoring on the bed there were empty pill bottles next to her she was brought out of the house and sent to the hospital to pump her stomach so what in the hell happened in this house last night after stabbing Pricey to death Catherine a skilled and proficient abattoir masterfully skinned Pricey's body from head to toe including his ears nose, fingers, toes, hair, and genitalia to create a perfect skin suit. The one spot of skin that remained on his body was the small square on his chest where she had stabbed him earlier in the month. She hung the skin suit in the doorway, facing the kitchen, as if to have him watch her do what she had planned next. She cut off his head, sliced meat from his thighs and buttocks, and made steaks. She then prepared a stew, potatoes, carrots, onions, all placed in a boiling water along with his head. She cooked the meat in the oven, and when all was done, made plates of meat and stew for Pricey's children to eat when they returned to the house. There was also some of the meat and stew thrown outside. Some believe it was for the dog to eat. Others believe that Catherine made a plate for herself, but decided to throw it out. Thankfully, police had intervened before Pricey's children consumed his remains. All in all, Pricey was stabbed at least 37 times, striking several organs, and his skinless, headless body was posed. The pot on the stove was still warm, meaning that the meal was prepared that morning. Catherine was subsequently charged with murder and was offered a plea of manslaughter if she pled guilty to the crime. She decided to plead not guilty, and a trial date was set. During jury selection, Catherine shocked everyone when she changed her plea to guilty, avoiding a trial. And although she pled guilty, she still maintains that she has no recollection of committing these horrendous acts. She was sentenced to life in prison with no chance of parole. As the judge stated, she will never be released. Catherine Knight is the only woman in Australian history to receive a life sentence.
1: Well, that escalated quickly. Yeah. Um I I don't know like at this point she's stabbed and and hurt and used irons and and cast irons and and all these things and hurt and stabbed multiple people. There, this is a huge jump. She skinned this man alive and hung him up like a Marionette yeah. and, and just decided to make a full roast. dinner, yeah, a full <laughs> roast
0: of his body yeah. while he watched in the doorway. <laughs> yeah. I, th- that's the, that's the creepiest thing. Is like she purposely positioned his <laughs> skin suit <laughs> in the doorway, facing the kitchen, so his whatever you want to call it. You're going nowhere. Yeah, you're watching me. Yeah. You're watching me cook this. You know, it's it's crazy. Now, one one of the things that I see. Online a lot, you know they'll they call her like the the Australian cannibal and you know all uh, you know Australia's Hannibal Lecter and all this other kind yep. of stuff. I mean, yeah, she did cook him, but nobody ate him, you know. Yeah, like nobody had you know. Yes, it was put out for the kids for dinner,
1: <laughs> you know. Yeah, more as like a hot look what I did yeah. type of deal then. Right.
0: So I mean, the police intervened before anybody you know, had to sample his <laughs> whatever. But, you know, so I just want to like put that out there. Like if anybody ate any part of him, it was the dog.
1: Oh, she definitely.
0: Yeah.
1: I mean, we know her history with dogs. She doesn't care. She, yeah. She definitely threw him, them him, yeah. scratch. Here you go. You little bastard. That's crazy. Yeah. This woman is insane. Yeah. Insane. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, the best part about this is, she wasn't. This story is not well known. No, it's it's nope. it's definitely like in the underground of, um, you know, serial killers and all that. And yeah, all those and murders and stuff like that. And yeah. this story deserves to be, get more. Uh, oh,
0: absolutely. Like like I personally like I, I know a lot of stories about murders and and serial killers and stuff. I never heard of this story. Actually, somebody on uh, TikTok. Her name's Kaylee from Louisiana. Hello, Kaylee. Uh, she actually mentioned this to me. And I'm like, oh, let me look at you know Maybe we'll add it to the list and everything. And I started reading about it, and I'm like, fuck. We, we have to do this. <laughs> this is, like, crazy. You know what I mean? Dude,
1: imagine all those years being, like, a slaughterhouse worker. She probably carved that man oh, up yeah, like it was nothing.
0: Well, it, she, you know, it says in here, like, she carved him, like, like skinned him so perfectly. Yeah. You know? She it,
1: cut steaks out of his butt.
0: Yeah. And th- there's, there was... Only one little spot on his body that, that wasn't skinned. Yeah. And it was where she stabbed him yeah. pre- previously that month. As like a little fuck you, you know. <laughs> here's your little souvenir. I didn't even think of that. I'm taking a rest. I didn't rest. even think of that. You Jesus.
1: I mean? Do you think that she actually wanted to kill herself? Or was it like part no. of the... No.
0: all right? right? That's what I...
1: I don't think nope. so either. I think it was all part of the the,
0: the act. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, she, she didn't want to kill herself. Because... If she did want to, I, I didn't mention it here in the story, but after she stabbed him and, and you know in the middle of the night, she went to the next town over and withdrew a thousand dollars from his bank account. Mm. Why would you withdraw money She's, if you if you're going
1: to offer yourself? I don't know. I don't think she was in the right center. After she stabbed him and actually took his life, I, she. Her mindset was gone. She like whatever crazy was building up to this point. The moment she realized that she killed him,
0: everything came out at once. I mean, that's just my take. I mean, if if you're gonna off yourself, why bother going to the ATM? But you know, like you said, who the hell knows what she was thinking?
1: Uh, I'm gonna get a little political here too. Is it's crazy that out of all this time, yeah, she's the only woman to receive a life sentence in Australia. That just goes to show you the difference in like how we handle oh, criminal yeah. Yeah. in America like criminal behavior in America compared to other countries. Right. I mean, how many women do we have on de- on um life sentences? A lot. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Now, she definitely deserves a life sentence. She does Thousands not deserve to be that. yeah. She does not deserve to be anywhere near
0: anybody. Anybody. Yeah. But it's just I heard she's like a she's like a pod boss. Oh, uh, <laughs> oh come on. Of course she is. <laughs> like she runs that prison. <laughs> Why were they even letting her in Gen
1: Pop? I know. <laughs> she's the big boss. Yeah. But no, she, I mean. Imagine the pile of ramen noodles and,
0: and <laughs> Pop-Tarts.
1: And, uh, you know, and the little shower shoes that yeah. she's got. She's got yeah. Crocs galore to the ceiling. Yeah. She's, she's just handing not... them out.
0: Oh, you want, you, want some, you want some shower shoes? Okay. Well, you got to do me a song. got to do me a favor. Uh, but yeah, I mean, in America, like the sentences are I mean we're used to them Yeah yeah, yeah so Life we, we, sentences
1: we, are not That, that, just that like, doesn't Shock us at all Right
0: But I mean like You know First woman ever To be char- you know, Sentenced to life in prison Now if you look in like South America uh, There's a serial killer that Murdered over 300 kids And He did a plea deal Where he only Served like 22 oh, years That's cartel You know what I mean
1: Cartel influence is big on that
0: one But even uh, What was it uh, Pedro uh, I'm drawing a blank right now Pedro something But Yeah I mean He has countless Of bodies And He only served like 10 years Yeah so Like alright see ya you know, And nobody knows where he is now He's probably off Somewhere else Fucking killing people But Whatever But yeah Like it's shocking that If this would have happened In the United States Yeah but th- Especially th- in a Especially in a death penalty state Yeah she would have been like
1: Yeah She would have been She, she would have definitely got the death penalty Yeah But at the same time, it's not really that shocking. No, <laughs> no. I mean, we hear crazy stories all the time. I mean, that's that's what we do here. Yeah, yeah, that's true. It, it's just it's interesting. It's just such an interesting story. She, this one, this one intrigued me a lot. I'm glad that yeah. we we came across this one. Yeah. This so is, this was
0: this is really a good one. So yeah, so I'll do it for uh, Catherine Knight. Thank you, everybody for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, just a reminder, to become a criminal on Patreon, visit patreon.com backslash criminal AF. There's four tiers. You can donate as little as $2 a month to help the podcast. And for those who select the Kemper and Bundy tiers, you get an exclusive I'm a Criminal Patreon shirt to rep your favorite podcast. Every- exclusive. Exclusive. Like nobody else will get these except for the Kemper and Bundy people. Now, for everyone $5 and above, you'll get our... Patreon-only episodes called True Crime Fast Facts, where we discuss current true crime events. And that's all at Patreon.com Criminal AF. You can also gift us a
1: one-time donation through PayPal on our website. Just go to CriminalAFPod.com and click on the donation tab. Any and all donations are greatly appreciated.
0: Absolutely. Uh, Please go follow us on all of our socials. On Instagram, it's at criminalafpod. Twitter, it's at criminal AF. TikTok, at criminal underscore AF. And if you love
1: what we're doing here, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Click five stars on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. Your positive reviews bring awareness and bump us up in the rankings.
0: Absolutely. And if you're watching us at criminal AF on YouTube, like and subscribe so you know when our next videos drop, and be sure to leave a comment. Uh, To leave us a
1: voice message, go to our website or click on the link in the episode description. Any questions we receive will be played and answered
0: in our next episode. We'd love to hear from you. Yes, please leave us a message. Now, for merch, you can go to criminalafpod.com and click on Shop. There's tons of great merch to rep Criminal AF and show your support. All right, guys. Till next time. Take it easy.